This is the Lowdown with Brave Mama, a community to see you, hear you, and support you on your journey living with pelvic organ prolapse. Hi there, it is Steph Thompson here, your host, bringing you this very special episode. This originally wasn't on the schedule for season three. However, this question keeps coming up and it is still coming up time and time again from you, the audience, generally in the way of an email or in particular uh, through our Instagram page at Brave Mama through the DMs. And I always respond to all of them personally myself. But because this is such a common thing, I thought, well, hey, we've got this platform. Wouldn't it be more impactful to be able to share with you all of the things that I've learned and known visually and using the audio. So today it's probably the second most question I am asked is why have I not gone on to have surgery to fix my prolapse? So what could be a really long-winded response because it has been a seven-year journey and I haven't stopped looking. I just want to break it into basically the things that I did leading up to the first discussion about surgery, who I spoke to and what the outcomes were from those discussions about surgery, and then probably just touching on the specific reasons why I still have not decided to have surgery. But just before I start, I want to make it really clear, this is not medical advice. This is a podcast or a YouTube channel if you're watching and one mum's experience of what I have been through on my journey with prolapse. So please take this information in to the level that you need, but then always, always go and consult a professional working in this pelvic health space before making any decisions that is best for you. Okay, so to start this, I didn't really get introduced to the conversations about prolapse surgery early during my diagnosis. Thankfully, I was lucky enough to have access to a women's pelvic floor physiotherapist who at that time was the go-to guru where I lived, and I know why, because she tried all of the I guess they're called the conservative methods to try and help me on this prolapse journey without scaring me, talking to me about surgery first up. So that journey kind of looked like, you know, a few weeks after birth, I had seen her. It was still too early to do an internal, but she could clearly see just from the opening of my vagina that there was significant damage and prolapse. But when it was time to do the internal, She then said, okay, I'm going to start by recommending this, 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 and this. The first one was using an electronical um, stimulator internally just to try and get those pelvic floor muscles engaged and working again, coupled with pelvic floor physiotherapy. Then she also recommended doing a trying pessary. So I tried all of my beginning pessaries, like the ring pessary and all of those type things with the dish was with her. And then it got to a point, I want to say, approximately about a year later when she was doing a reassessment and said, well, first she asked me how I was doing and I said, I feel feel much the same. And she said, well, yeah, that's because testing-wise is that nothing has changed for you. She could not see any significant enough improvement to say, okay, so you've gone from this grade to that grade. Grading is a whole nother 
is a whole nother episode. So whatever I was at that point, I had not progressed enough to be regraded, which of course I could feel. She did mention to me, Professor Peter Deeds specializes in this area in terms of having an assessment for some other damage that might also be coupled with that prolapse. But at that time, I really didn't kind of register at that. I think there was just so much going on. She did also mention to me that there's a potential that I might need surgery one day and gave me some recommendations. So the first place that I was recommended to was the Sydney Pelvic Floor Specialist Clinic, which is based here at the St. George Hospital. That experience itself wasn't overly positive. So I don't want to dig too much into that in terms of the way I felt I was treated at the time. And I hope that that changes over time for women. But basically, I went there to go and have, you've probably heard of it before, sometimes it's called a 3D scan, sometimes it's called a 4D scan. But that 3 and 4D scan internally, to see what is really going on in your pelvic floor and vagina. Basically, in a nutshell, went all of that way. The person, the only person that can conduct that that scan was on annual leave. And so they did try different pessary at that clinic. Again, it failed and was very disappointed. So even though I felt quite deflated at that point, I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I then went and saw a local obstetrician who happened to be a connection through my husband. And he said, I think you need to go and see this surgeon. He is the best in the field. His name is Danny Chow. And I saw him at the St. George private hospital in the private clinic. He did an an assessment on me internally. There was no three or four D scan for that one, but basically said, The chances of you having a successful surgery are very minimal due to the extensive damage done to your pelvic floor during childbirth. He didn't really mention anything else more than that other than his recommendation was to potentially think about if I really wanted more children or not. And at that point, I I think I did, but I wasn't too sure. I was like, oh, I just wanted to be fixed and I just wanted to feel better. He said, if you're struggling as a mum with a young child now, imagine what it would be like with more of them. And I think if I'm being really honest with myself and with you right now, I didn't want to hear that because of course I wanted siblings for my daughter and hearing that element, I probably just blocked it out. I just had in my mind, but if someone can fix it, then I can have more children and then I'll be okay. So it's a huge learning curve. All of this stuff is a huge learning curve, right? So between that and I can't remember the time frame exactly, but let's just keep moving on. Then I had been doing research every single night. How do you fix prolapse? And then this name came up again. Professor Peter Dietz came up again. I was like, oh, I think I remember that name from my physiotherapist. I searched him. I Googled him. I ended up calling him thinking he would never actually speak to me unless I was one of his patients. But in fact, he did. He did call me back. And I think we had one of those conversations that went for almost an hour. For the first time in my prolapse journey, he helped me feel really understood and seen and heard and that this prolapse and what was happening to me in my body 
wasn't in my head. And that was so significant. I said, I have to come and see you. The journey went a little bit like this. I went to see him for the first time. I had baby number one, still had the prolapse. I went up to go and have that three or four D scan. But also that appointment, I think went for about two hours. There was a whole gamut of testing and measuring to see where this prolapse was at and what could potentially be uh, a resolution for me. We went through all of these questionnaires and how, how does it affect me? How does it affect my husband? How does it affect the family? So it was like a really good top-down snapshot of what it meant for us living with prolapse. By the end of that conversation, he said to me, you could be a good candidate for surgery, but there's one caveat. And that was, you need to have completed your family entirely. So if you even had the thought of potentially wanting more children, you would have to wait until after that before you can have surgery. So that was a really interesting time for my husband and I, because we are, we had this tiny little baby. We knew we weren't ready for another one, my goodness, but we also knew that we wanted to have a bigger family. That conversation was in depth and intense for a little while because at the same time, we just wanted mummy to be okay. We just wanted mummy to feel like she could be herself again and not be struggling. The decision was, um, and this is kind of like a little bit of a backstory, that it took five years to fall pregnant with my daughter. So I didn't want to have to wait another five years to then potentially fall pregnant, to then have a baby to then have surgery. We kind of just put a little bit of a time limit on it and said, well, if it doesn't happen by the end of this year, then we're just going to call it and say we're one and done so mummy can get back to being herself again. Basically, we did that. I fell pregnant on the second try and I thought, well, this is a blessing. I was really petrified about carrying the baby to full term, how to birth the baby, but that's in itself is a whole nother episode as well. I had the baby I was very eager to get back to see Professor Deeds. I think I waited six months. I think I called after six weeks, but then he said, no, you need to wait at least six to 12 months before you come and see me. I waited the six months. And on that January day, I went up with the, the mindset, I'm having surgery. I'm getting it done. I'm going to be back to normal. I've got my two kids now. I'm very lucky to have a boy and a girl. So blessed. Let's have the surgery. Let's get it done. So that morning, everything changed. That was the pivotal point for me. And this is why I think I wanted to share it here in this forum, because a DM on Instagram cannot express to you the level of despair and disappointment that I had endured that day when I went to go back and see him. And they do all of these pre-surgery tests, which I, I love it. It's very thorough the urodynamics testing it's called. So they inflate your bladder, they do a whole lot of tests. And then at the end we sit down and I thought we were sitting down to say, okay, let's book you in for surgery on this date. So I was already thinking, okay, who can I get to help look after the kids? And I was doing all of those things. And he sat me down and he had this really, I want to say intense warmthness about him, like this really caring aura, then he said to me, Stephanie, unfortunately, I'm going to say that you're no longer a good candidate or you're not a good candidate for this type of surgery because the chances are 
your prolapse will relapse, like it'll fall back down within two years, is around about 90%. 90% chance of it falling down again. Even after going through all of the surgery and the recovery and all of those things, I was like, 90%. Okay, so there's still 10% chance it could work. I, I was always, you know, the et eternal positive person, but I was like, 90%. And if he, who is a leader in this field, who's a known surgeon around the world for wanting to help and helping women, if he is telling me he doesn't recommend surgery for me at this point, that then why would I sign up to that? Like who would sign up to that? I don't know. And I'm not judging anyone if they would. But for me, that I'm not that risk averse. Yes, I'm a positive and I want to be eternally thinking of all of the great things. But for me to go through that, potentially early menopause, two young babies, the recovery, et cetera, et cetera, only for it to relapse again within two years and be back to square one. I wasn't okay to, to go through that and take the risk of also maybe adding a layer of complexity of what was already there from surgery. We know that there's always risks with surgery, that things can go wrong, things can happen. And I was like, mm, I can't do this. So just to give you the picture, it's about a two-hour drive between where I live and, and going and seeing him. I'm pretty sure I just bawled my eyes out and shoved McDonald's fries into my face for two hours until I got home because I wasn't expecting that. That's not, that wasn't in my vision. That wasn't in my plan. And then that acceptance of that took a really long time, probably years, I'm going to say. This is why I thought it was important to share the reasons why I haven't yet had surgery, it's not just whimsical. It wasn't just like, oh, it wasn't for me or, oh, I was too scared. It was recommended that I don't have it by two top surgeons here in Australia. Not to say that that was the end of the story for me. And this is the next part. This is the, the last bit I want to share with you because it's so important for you to know I have not stopped. Just because two top surgeons have said no, it doesn't mean that I haven't looked outside of Australia. Something important to mention here too is that the use of mesh has been banned here in Australia for a number of years, which is why they can't offer that as well. That's what I have been told. I am regurgitating what I have been told here. So that may have changed by the time you're listening to this. Just keep that in mind. I looked to overseas, I thought, well, if someone else is doing it in Israel, in the US, where they seem to be a, like a couple of steps ahead in other medical spaces, maybe the prolapse space would be that as well. I'm yet to feel confident in who overseas is doing it to initiate an appointment over there. After kind of searching overseas and searching here in Australia, I also found another surgeon who specializes in prolapse, Dr. Ray Hodges. We actually had him on the show in episode 39. We had such an extensive conversation about prolapse and surgery. I want to share with you that after that conversation, we had a personal chat, a personal catch up. And I was saying to him, so how long am I going to have to wait for this? How long until there's a new advancement or a new bit of research or something 
that is going to give me hope to hang on to so that I don't have to feel like this for the rest of my life. Now, I know you listening right now are probably thinking the exact same thing. Well, if you can't have pessaries and physio doesn't work and there's no surgery available, is this it? Like, is this, am I stuck like this? Am I stuck with this for the rest of my life? That can be a really heavy, dark thought process to go through. I know because I've been there and I have, I still go there from time to time, but the reason why I'm giving you this episode right now is to say to you, no, you don't have to feel like this forever. Season three is all about sharing the healing journey beyond the physical symptoms that remain the same. I hope you have listened to those and they have started to plant some seeds potentially for you to think about how this can be the next part of your journey if surgery isn't an option or if you're feeling scared or if you're not ready for surgery. All of those things around a surgery discussion, if you're not there yet, maybe try this first. For me right now, the ultimate reason why I have not gone for surgery is because it's not an option. I don't see that 90% chance of a relapse is an actual viable option. That's the reason why I have not yet gone for surgery, but I want you to know I haven't stopped looking. I do feel like something's coming. You know, we talk about there's research at the Hudson Institute about using a special type of mesh and there's this and there's the 3D pessaries and all the things that are coming definitely give you hope. But the main thing I can do right now, because all of that's out of my control, the only thing I can control right now is this and this. Certainly can't control anything down there, but I can choose to control my thoughts and my feelings about prolapse. I no longer hate it. I don't love the situation that we were put in, but I'm just starting to see how the healing pattern of the heart and head really does help with that acceptance piece of, okay, this is what we have. Now I'm going to start to actively look for some of the positives. I get it. If this is invoking some frustrating feeling for you right now, I just want to promise you that when you get it, you get it. When you can wake up in the morning and not hate yourself and hate your body, but wake up and say, okay, this is what I have, but this is what I can still do. That's when you get it. I love being here, talking to you, supporting you. That's my positive and my joy for today. What that looks like for you can be totally different. Your joy might be able to start journaling some of this. And maybe one day you might want to write a book. Maybe one day you might want to start your own podcast. When you give voice to your feelings, when you allow yourself to feel those feelings of anger and frustration and disappointment and confusion and loss and feeling lost, when you can start addressing those, the healing can begin. And if you're ready for that, that's an amazing thing. You'll know when you're ready. You will know when it's time to start 
flipping this prolapse story, your prolapse story on its head. I only hope that by sharing this conversation with you right now, it's given you an opportunity to think to yourself, I can do something different. I also just want to say before I go that if listening to any element of this surgery discussion, you've got more questions, please, please, please reach out because it's really important that you're not left hanging and you're not left wondering something. You can always email me, stephanie at bravemama.com or jump onto Instagram into DMs because I'm there to answer any questions that you still might have after this episode. If you feel like this episode has been helpful, I'm going to ask you a favor. I want you to share it with the world that you found it helpful. I also want you to send it to one person who you think could benefit from this today. We trust that today's episode has brought you the connection and support that you need living with pelvic organ prolapse. And just on that level of support, if you are someone right now who is pregnant, postpartum or living with prolapse, I would really love for you to check out the Empowered Motherhood Program app, as I know it's a total game changer for women living with prolapse, as well as anyone who's currently pregnant or postpartum, who really is looking to have that safe physio-led exercise that they can just do at home. The Empowered Motherhood Program also includes a week-by-week pelvic floor safe program for women with prolapse. And that combines that expert education, the emotional support that we all need, and very prolapse specific exercises to help you build strength, return to the type of exercise that you love, and feel really informed about your body so you know what is safe for you. Back when I interviewed Kimmy and Liz, I think it's episode 67, Afterwards, I reached out to them because it's such an amazing conversation. And I said, hey, can we partner to be able to offer our Brave Mama community even more support? So they're offering us 10% off the entire lifetime of your membership with their app. You can use the code BRAVE10. I'm going to put a direct link in the show notes. Head over to their website and check it out for yourself. And until next time, bye for now. Mama. Hey, baby, mama.